Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Uriyidi. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast where we take a moment to acknowledge that we are all in this together. Through enlightening conversations and personal insights, we like to connect with individuals just like you who show us how they are bringing a little bit of awesomeness in their individual journeys. Our hope is to encourage you to always keep pushing and to stay awesome along the way. I have a tremendous respect for the military, truly. Anytime you want to take an example where values of commitment, consistency, and teamwork are the core elements of the job at hand, you can't leave out those individuals, men and women, whose service and sacrifice allow us the freedoms that we enjoy and oftentimes take for granted. I had the opportunity to meet and connect with my next guest, Mr. Dave Morrow, at a recent Rogers Small Business Center Speaker Series event. It was my first time ever attending an actual networking event, so I didn't quite know what to expect out of it. But after the keynote, we got to chat up a bit about mutual interests. As it goes with most people I've had on this program, Dave had a really cool story to tell. From being a 15-year veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces, an Afghan War veteran, to being a teacher, which also ranks as one of those selfless vocations we talked about, as well as a CrossFit dad, you'd think that'd be quite enough to talk about. But no, there's more. As the author of The Nimble Warrior, a guide serving the veteran and first responder community towards increasing performance and reducing injury, Dave is also the host of the Hard to Kill podcast, where he and an amazing array of guests share their stories of mindset, grit, resilience, and other essential skills for a strong way of life. Another amazing conversation, which I do hope you'll enjoy. So let's get into it. Awaken the Awesome, episode 86 with Dave Morrow. Here we go. Where I want to start it off with, it's it, it's kind of cliche, but you touched on something really important in uh, most of your conversations throughout your podcast about the fact that, you know, your reality, you know, the realities of veterans, it's something that I'm not sure if it's because, like you said, uh, humility uh, respect or just trying to suck it up that uh, we don't want to be celebrated for everything that we do. But having served and having seen the things that you've seen, uh, as traumatic as they are, as powerful as they are, because, you know, you've probably been, you know, through your own fair share of events. Tell me, tell me about, because again, we read a lot about that, right? The first day back, what is that like? You know, just coming home. Could you, if possible, could you possibly put us in your shoes? How does that feel? Because you read a lot about the fact that, you know, how, because you know how, how, what, I, what I'm getting there, because uh, with talking to you and hearing your recordings, I think a lot about that scene, that particular sequence in the movie, The Hurt Locker, and, you know, coming back to civilian life, and you can clearly see it on his face that he would, he has no place here, he does not feel at home here, he does not feel like he belongs, he's like totally out of it, and you know, the one thing that he can do is feel valued and feel responsible and feel able is to go back in there back to the battlefield. So that's why I was curious. How is it coming home? I think you got it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you encapsulated it quite well. It's a, it's a feeling that you can't, it's, it's, it's hard to fully come back home. Um, and that video, that movie, I think was really, um, uh, I think it, it, it told that story relatively well. Like that was, that's kind of the whole point of the story. Like you, the, the soldier never really comes home. And okay. um, that's been a big struggle of mine as well. It's, uh, you know, I got back in July, 2011. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that first day back, it was, I mean, 
everything that happens, there's always like a backstory, um, especially being in the infantry and being deployed. There's, there's a bunch of different things that lead up to kind of like your, your emotional state when, when you start getting back, namely like there was one expectation that I had coming home was that I was going to have, a, there was going to be a nice big barbecue and my whole family was going to be waiting. Mm-hmm. so uh i was like okay i'm visualizing i'm like oh it's gonna be so good i'm gonna kick back take my boots off have a beer and just chill and have a burger and talk to all my family and that's gonna be awesome and uh it didn't happen because my flight coming from greece had to do an emergency land in iceland now oh, that yeah. was okay that was okay we didn't know we didn't know how bad the plane was apparently like there was they didn't know if they were going to be able to land, but we didn't care. We we're like, whatever. Like we just have to survive Afghanistan. So we had like a, just random day in, in Reykjavik in Iceland, which turned out to be just a shit show, uh, in a good way. <laughs> and, uh, I don't remember much of, uh, what Iceland looks like. All I know is that I had a great time, okay. but that kind of, that kind of busted my, my perception of what my return home was going to be. So I'm like, okay, new normal. I'm going to get in and like, I'm still getting home. And, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was, it was weird. Like there was a, there's an incident where I'm, I'm waiting. Like we had to go through custom, like we, like when we're getting through the airport and stuff like that, they're still like going through our stuff and everything like that. And off the plane in Canada and Quebec city, um, you know, the customs officers still look for your stuff through your stuff. And I was literally the last guy waiting for my bags i was like did they actually lose my bag is that oh, even wow. possible like we're all like it's not it's not like i took a flight from you know frankfurt you know civvy side it was like a military chartered flight and so i'm waiting i'm waiting everybody's gone through and they have like a band and everything like that to welcome everybody home and then like nobody's playing any music anymore and i'm just standing there i'm like how am i still waiting for my shit and then i finally get my stuff i'm like wow that took like awfully long and then i'm like do 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 welcome home and uh yeah, uh, CBSA officer's like, no, you got to come here. I'm like, for what? He's like, I got to go through your stuff. I'm like, oh, are you serious? And he's pulling out things like, I was just, in, I was just at war. I've got knives. I've got like war shit in my bag, obviously. You know, <laughs> he's like, what's this? I'm like, what do you mean, what's this? It was in case somebody attacked me. It was my freaking knife. He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Is it, is it, I know, like, what's this? So it threw me off. Like, I was just like furious, you know? And, uh, yeah, the band was about to leave. All, all, all the officers were about to leave. And then my buddy's like, no, 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 there's one more guy there. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I got my handshake and stuff like that. And so that was just like, it was just a kind of like a comedy of errors at that point. But then I got home and I remember my buddy was, um, was driving me to see my family because obviously I had to postpone a day. We still had the barbecue, but I only got in at like midnight. And, sure. uh, <laughs> yeah, I remember driving up. And my buddy who was driving me to my, to see my family, he was, uh, he was deployed a year or two before me mm-hmm. on the same tour that, um, we're talking about Eve or they're on the same tour together. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember looking at him like, dude, I don't, I don't feel anything. Like I didn't feel like, I, I didn't feel anxious. I didn't feel like, Oh, thank God I'm home. And I was just like numb. Nothing. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's pretty normal. I'm like, all right. And so like, I thought I was going to have this like overwhelming, feeling of like emotion that was going to come over me and there's nothing i just got out of the car and i was just like all right cool hey hey how is everybody and so that was um yeah that was that was that was interesting because i i i I I even pictured myself being emotional but there's nothing there and that kind of yeah that kind of lasted for for a while like 
and when I came home, I was just, I was just kind of angry. So, um, you know, I, I took off to, uh, to Europe just uh, like to decompress mm-hmm. pretty much like a few weeks after. So I spent about a month and a half just slumming it through Europe. And, um, that was good. That was good for, that was good for the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, partied a lot, didn't have any responsibilities at home so that it made it a lot easier. And then when I came home, it was just, okay, well, what do I do now? And, uh, so, you know, I, I was a reserve, I was always a reservist, so I didn't have a battalion to go back to. I didn't have a full-time job. So, you know, I just went on unemployment, I went on unemployment insurance and, you know, I, I, then I, I, I figured, you know what, I better get a job. So I was a teacher and I went back into teaching in October and there was a lot of guys that said like that had been deployed and that actually some of them were teachers like don't go back to work for at least a year. I was like, you know what, man? I'm like, you don't know me. I'm Dave Morrow. I'm a hard charger, man. I just survived Afghanistan. I'm getting back after it. Like I can't sit at home. Like that was the worst thing. I was, I was sitting at home and I was just, I was going out of my mind because I had nothing to do. Nobody needed me. You know, I, I, there was nothing there. Like I was responsible for so much. And then I come home and I'm responsible for nothing. Just a lull. There's nothing. (sighs) Flatline. Nothing. Nothing. And it was just this emptiness. So I went back to teaching high school science at a school that had a, it was my old high school actually. And I went back and yeah. And, uh, I was only there a few weeks and then I got another job at another school and yeah, I only lasted about two months. I lasted till Christmas and yeah, I had to tap out. Like it was just like, there was, I I was clearly going through some stuff that I wasn't willing to, to deal with. And I just tried to, there some anxiety there, some boredom. Oh, big time. Oh, big time, man. It was, it was anxiety. Um, you know, like I didn't realize that, you know, I had some, some lingering post-traumatic stress issues, um, that need to be dealt with. So, um, you know, I just decided that I'm going to, well, not only that, I was physically injured as well. So I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't doing any of the things that are recommended for, uh, soldiers that come home. Like if you're injured, that's your full-time job. Take care of your you injury. Recover. I was like, Take care of your injury. I was like, no, I'm good. And on top of that, um, you know, I had a, like an operational stress injury. Um, so I wasn't taking care of that. And then I was just trying to start a new career, um, basically out of nothing. So not, not the best decision on my part, not the best set of decisions. So coming home was, was really chaotic and hectic and destabilizing. And, um, it's taken a while to kind of get a grasp of things and, and figure out you know, why I did what I did, but more importantly, like what steps did I miss? And now I'm going back and kind of fixing them. So it's kind of like I busted up my leg or busted up my arm and it didn't like set well. Now I got to reset it and then let it heal properly. So that that's where I'm at now. So, but definitely that feeling of responsibility has been hard for me to replicate. I mean, like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a husband and I have, you know, I have a son and, and and a daughter on the way, but it, it's not, it's not the same type of responsibility. Right. It's, um, first of all, I'm genuinely clapping uh, for you, slow clap. Uh, I'm not clapping too hard <laughs> for the audio. But um, again, um, just hearing you, and 
I'm I'm actually living it along with you and just hearing those words and just trying to imagine what it must feel like to go from a state of, again, this is just me visualizing because there's absolutely no way you can understand, but you go from a place, as you said, you know, you're probably over there and you're always looking out for yourself, looking out for other people, looking out for your team. There's the camaraderie. There's like, you know, being in the dirt and being in the grind and just like, okay, we have this going on. And then you, when you just have to shift, you can't just switch that off. There's no off switch. And what I'm hearing you is just you had to decompartmentalize because you understood the process. You didn't go through the right process is what I'm hearing. There is a process towards recovery and you didn't follow that, if I understand. Exactly. I mean, like the, the, the thing that uh, I guess was my own worst enemy was my own ego. Um, I, I just figured there's, there's nothing that's going to stop me from doing anything that I want from now on. Um, and so you know, seeing that through just led to me like grabbing a job and then just figuring, well, I'm just going to dominate everything. Why wouldn't I, you know, like I, I had a really successful tour. I survived as well. I, I got all the objectives done that I needed to get done. Uh, I considered what I did there a relative success. So I was just like, you know what, I'm home and there's nothing that's going to stop me from, from doing anything that I want to do. And that was kind of humbling when I just realized that, wasn't the case. So after I, after I left that teaching position after a few months, I just kind of like, I went, I went back on unemployment insurance. I, I, uh, I eventually moved in with my girlfriend who's now my wife and I just took it easy. And I got back to doing some work with my regiment teaching uh, courses on weekends. And that was good. Um, that's that, that was like my environment. So I was able to kind of stay actively involved and not just cut the cord and like pull away and, and not have that, like, like you said, camaraderie and, and kind of the, the team and the, 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 that surrounds you when you're in the military um, or the tribe, as I usually call it, that, that helped significantly. So, but then it just started to wane and, you know, I didn't know where I was going and I was kind of floating. And so it just, it, it's been kind of this, evolving process and that's kind of why i'm i'm here now it's just uh i didn't take the steps early on that i should have taken you know with healing myself up and now i am taking those steps and um yeah it's been it's been a wild ride but it's been a lot more uh i guess fruitful than uh the course i was taking which was just staying uh you know, staying in my high school, uh, teaching high school science, which, you know, teaching is my passion, but it, uh, it definitely wasn't, um, it wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. And then there, and like in my soul, there was, there was a lot of torment. So I had to, I had to leave that to, to kind of repair that part of me. So that's, that's basically like the reason why I'm talking to you now is, is basically because I made that decision about a year ago that, you know, I got to make a change and I got, I got to look after myself for a little bit now. And, uh, I think I need to address some things that were, are still lingering from, from coming home in 2011. So we need to take, we need to take care of ourselves before we can take care of Mm -hmm. others. So it's not selfishness. It's basically, again, you know, just trying to serve better. So we had to take care of ourselves first, the inside. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I talked to, I talked to this, uh, well, I guess, I I guess I could call him a mentor. Um, so in November, I did a uh, I did a business course with a bunch of online personal trainers, and uh, the guy that ran the course really like type A, straight to the point kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about 
what we're up to and you know why we're why we're doing this course and i told him my speech and everything like that and i said i'm just kind of reticent like i'm i'm kind of hesitant to to talk about you know my experience and stuff like that and he's like he's like man you're you're you are so selfish and the way he said i i want to kill him because that was for me that is a of all things to call a veteran exactly but he did it on purpose he knew what he was doing he's like you're, you're selfish because you've got all this experience you're capable of doing so much more and you could help x amount of people over how many years but you're not because you're fearful he's like that's selfishness man he's like right. you got to get over that immediately and I, that that just that that gave me kind of like a whole new rewiring and i had to reflect on that and be like wow i'm like that is that's a really interesting way to look at it and that kind of that kind of got me jump started to to push harder and to to do a bit more and start the podcast and write my book and and that's that's why i'm in the space i'm in now it always takes that exterior look or that exterior perspective that different vantage point if you will to actually you know put us straight forward into the mindset of our own ego face to face with our own ego because you brought that word a lot and i sometimes i believe ego can often be a very good motivator but it can also be a, a very damaging crutch and that's something i believe that you experience if i'm hearing correctly 100 percent, 100 percent. the um the ego is important for me because it it does act as a big motivator um and provides me kind of the the push I need a lot of times to to do the best like job I can possibly do because I know that if my name is on something I don't want it to be substandard I don't want it to be average but the other side of that coin is it could also do what it did when I first got back and just it forced me to to start working because I didn't want to be that typical veteran that's sitting at home drinking beers on the couch, not doing anything or contributing. Uh, so I, I immediately got, I immediately went to, to work teaching and it was a, it was a poor decision. It was, it was solely based on ego. It wasn't based on any r- rational or even good sound, like medical advice that, you know, that the doctors were saying, like, don't even go, don't go back to work. Like we really recommend you don't like it's just chill, take it easy. So it's definitely ego. Ego is definitely a, a driving force for me. I forgot to ask this one, but again, for everybody curious, it's a, again a stupidly cliche question. But what got you in this, into the service? Like, how did like take us back to that decision to sign away your life? Because you said it again in your podcast, it's like even policemen don't give out that sort of dedication to an institution or a service or you know a company and employee whatsoever. But the simple act of making yourself of signing up, enlisting, and dedicating your life to such a extraordinary and yet unknown endeavor. Because again, as a reservist, you may be called anywhere, anytime, and you got to serve. It is both admirable and a little bit insane. But walk us through that. What was your experience like? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, just to clarify, uh, we can't really get called up, but we do uh, We do fight for positions. Uh, so sure, well, that's something how much that- I know. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, but again it's, i'm here to learn a, i'm here to learn yeah exactly that's the point uh so as a reservist uh you know i joined as a reservist i i never i never went full-time although we do have the option of, of doing uh full-time contracts which is obviously what i did when i deployed to afghanistan but mm-hmm. the reason why i joined uh i i get that question a lot 
And I, I like answering it because honestly, it was to shoot guns, throw grenades, and pick up chicks. Like there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't any. I want to serve my country. I was like, no. I was like, I just, I really want to just shoot guns, and then hopefully that'll make me cool enough that I can pick up chicks. Like I, I was just this tall, scrawny dude that just didn't really have any luck with the ladies. So it's just like, you know what? Maybe I'll get bigger. Maybe I'll get stronger. And the uniform seems to work for a lot of women. So. That was that. Like it was just again pure ego again. And my me and my buddy, my best bud, we saw a recruiting sergeant um, at uh, at John Abbott College, mm-hmm. and he was wearing them um, the scarlet uniform that my unit uh, wears, and he looked sharp. I was like, whoa! I was like, that's badass. And he's like, yeah. He's like, uh, why don't you come by on a Tuesday and we can talk a little bit more? And uh, we're one of the only units that works all summer, so you get paid like eight thousand dollars in the summer, and that that blew my mind too. I was like, eight thousand dollars, eight grand. Oh, I was like, man, I was like, that's amazing. So you know, I I I'd always wanted to kind of be in the military, anyways. My grandfather fought in the Second World War, and I always oh, wow. admired that. But I never really, I, I met him, but I don't remember because he passed away when I was three. So, you know, it was the, there was that, there was that myth that was, the, that, that surrounded him. And, and, you know, me and my buddies, we always played, you know, uh, like spy games and war games. And we just figured it would make a, make a good fit for us. And yeah, we both excelled. And, uh, you know, my best friend, he, he left a bit earlier, but now he, he became a police officer and, uh, now he works in investigations and stuff like that. But, you know, we all kind of followed along that same track, uh, in the military police world. So mm-hmm. that's, that was basically it. And then from there, uh, 15 years later, like, uh, you know, I had a pretty good, pretty good career in, in the reserves. So yeah, there wasn't any, uh, I don't think most 19 year olds joined because. It's like a oh, duty on our country. That no, it's it's chicks. It's mostly chicks. chicks. It's mostly chicks. It's mostly chicks. <laughs> what, Guns what, and chicks. What, what, yeah. What what eighteen year old guy isn't thinking about like oh I gotta you know oh no I want to do this for my guy. It's like no I want to pick up some chicks and make some money. Like it's just it's pure ego driven and like self centered. There's no uh, there's no bigger purpose. But then when you, once you get there, you realize oh wait this is you know there's a there's an ethos behind this place there's there's a culture and and uh, i fit in very well um I, I was talking about this actually um with uh, i did a i did a talk last week um mm-hmm. about leadership and the progression of where i started and it was the first time i really excelled at something i, I was always an, an athlete but i was never an elite athlete in school i i never had to try really hard and i did relatively well so I never really pushed myself or, 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 or excelled at anything. And, and the, the army and the infantry particularly was the first time that I realized, Oh, wow, I'm actually really good at this. And I, I, I pushed, I pushed, I pushed. And so that's, you know, that's, that was the thing that really um, gave me a lot of confidence because I knew I was good at it. And the more, I, the more I worked at it, the more I got promoted and recognized. So it was a really, is you know, it was a positive feedback loop. So it was a, it was, it was a great experience for me, for sure. Is that something that you always knew about yourself? That's something that, you know, the military actually revealed in you? Was that a, a progressive revelation, would you say? Yeah, that's a good question. You know what? I th- it was the, it was the infantry that made me realize I'm a masochist, I think. There <laughs> 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 was uh it was week one. And so the, uh, the officer that uh, that runs the that your basic course mm-hmm. so there's, there's one officer in charge he's just a young officer um, he's in charge of you know 30 soldiers make sure that it runs well and all, everything's taken care of and 
so we all have to have an interview with them at one point. And it was about a week in and I had my interview with them and they're like, honestly, like five minutes, 10 minutes tops. It's really just to see if you're cracking and if you're going to make it. And, uh, so I came in, you know, my salute and all that stuff. And it's like uh private, uh, how are you enjoying your first few days? I was like, sir, uh, can I be honest? And, you know, they, they can get kind of like, uh, nervous with a question like that because they, they mm-hmm. don't know what they're going to get, but he's <laughs> like, uh, go ahead, private. I was like, I, I fucking love this shit. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're really going to do well here. Masochists do exceptionally well in the infantry. And I was like, oh, Roger that, sir. <laughs> he's like, you're dismissed. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. I remember calling my mother, uh, like that first weekend. And uh, I'd never really swore in my life. And I remember like swearing on the phone with my mom, not because I was mad at her. I was just like, oh, well, you know, fucking uh, it's, like I just throw fuck into literally every sentence as like a pause, as a verb, as an adjective. She's like, oh, you're swearing quite a bit more. I'm like, oh, yeah, but I really, really love it. She's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it, it had an immediate effect on me. But the biggest thing was realizing that um, I really enjoyed doing uh, things that are really difficult. It there's something in me that I guess is I'm compelled to try and find that, which is extraordinary. I, you know, they, I, I do, uh, you know, Spartan races. I've, I've always gra- I've gravitated to those kind of oh, things. Really? Me and, too. Cool. Oh, right on. Nice. Um, you know, I did, I've done a ton and, uh, you know, triathlons. I tried out, um, there's, there's always stuff that I'm, I'm always looking to do because I just want to challenge myself and the army was the the perfect place is the, is a good proving ground to kind of, to start that, that passion. Moving away from it. And again, not because we talked about, you know, probably the dark side, but, you know, just on a lighter note, if you could basically like, you know, pinpoint top three lessons, you know, walking away from the army, what, uh, you know, what's the best lessons you walked away with? Oh man. Well, uh, always lead by example, hands down. You can't, you know, I was, uh, I was a senior leader for a long time and we have, a uh, you know, 11 principles of leadership, but the number one principle is, is lead by example. So I try to, I try to emulate that every day. And now that we, you know, now, now we have kids, it, it, it makes even more sense that every little thing that you do is going to be emulated. So yeah, I mean, so I've got two leader, young kids. I always keep telling, yeah. my, telling myself that they see you, they see you all every they day. See you. you know, uh, there's a, there's an, a, a saying, uh, for us, you know, when, if you're an officer, it's like, uh, cause officers, they kind of, they, they command the, the show and it's the non-commissioned officers that kind of do the inspections and do all the work on the ground. And, um, they execute the orders that the officer wants to give. Mm-hmm. So therefore the officer is not going to get like their boots inspected and like their uniform inspected, like standing at attention by, a, by somebody else. It's just, it's just assuming that's going to be done. So the, the, the saying is like, Oh, well, well uh, you know, uh, Lieutenant, uh, when do you get inspected? And like the young Lieutenant's like, Oh, I don't get inspected. I'm an officer. And then the reply to that is like, actually, no, you get inspected every second of every day that you're in front of your troops. Um, because that's the reality of it. Like as soon as you wear that rank and as soon as you present yourself, um, you're being judged and you're being just torn apart uh, by every guy in that platoon. They won't say it to your face, but as soon as you wear that, like that leader hat, 
everything you say, everything you do, every misstep, guys are going to be watching you, man. And so you gotta, you gotta know your shit and, um, you gotta be on point and you gotta be honest and, uh, you know, you're, you're going to make mistakes, but you gotta be able to learn from those mistakes. So yeah, definitely lead by example. Um, listen and take care, well, take care of your guys. So that applies to kind of everything. Uh, you know, if you're going to build a team, inevitably you're going to have a team to do something. You got to take care of each other. So, um, that's huge. And it doesn't mean like get bro hugs all day, <laughs> you know, like just, just consider what they're going through. Um, you know, it, 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 just a little, a little comment goes a long way, uh, for sure. And the third one, I guess, uh, just, uh, always realize that it could be worse. I guess that's, uh, wow. I, I, I kind of have, okay. like a, a sto- yeah, I kind of have like a stoic mentality on things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like you can be going through something that, that, that's really bad. Uh, but just think that, you know, you, you have this, 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 and this right now, and it could be, you know, exponentially worse. So let's work in the now. Let's not worry about what you could have and let's just be grateful and deal with what we have right now and things will eventually get better. Um, so yeah, I, I, being very optimistic, I guess is, is something that is, but, but realistic as well is another important lesson that I learned. Um, you know, cause you, naturally you're going to get disappointed quite a bit, but you gotta, you gotta turn those uh, lemons into lemonade. <laughs> so very, it's, again, very, it's cliche, but it's so applies. It applies. It totally applies, man. Good on you, man. Good on you. Again, like you said, you know, you've been back a while and you know, you're working on yourself and it's only, you know, you're only doing bigger and better things. So with that kind of ethos, you know, I've only seen great things from you. And hey, wait a second. Hey, we go from being a veteran to an author. Congrats on the uh, Author Academy Awards on that one, dude. Yeah, I voted right for you. Now. Voted for Thanks, you. Man. Still, it, it, still going August, on right now. Yeah, August is I think is the official uh, is the official draw and decision. So yeah, fingers crossed, man. Uh, I get um, I get selected for best uh, health book uh, for 2000, uh, 2019. It'd be pretty freaking sweet. Um, yeah, I just ordered actually. I got sixty books actually right next to me. I just ordered a whole box full because I'm running my um running my book launch on father's day on the 16th of June. Epic. And uh, yeah. So yeah, I got, I'm planning that all out. So that's in about a month's time here in Dorval. So it's going to be good. So I'll, uh, I'll definitely be posting a bit more on that on, uh, on Facebook uh, in the coming days. We'll be keeping in touch for that one, but I really love the title and nimble warrior, a guide to moving mm-hmm. better, increasing performance and reducing injury. So where does that come from? Does that, you know, just come together with uh, your, your, your PT uh, coaching, um, because again, it's like yeah. a guide to moving better and reducing injury. So there's a lot of health concerns there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it comes from, uh, like I said earlier, I got, I was injured on deployment. So my, my herniated two of my discs, um, when I was on patrol. And so I just, I just basically pushed through that for, you know, about half my tour by taking Advils and just, pretending like I wasn't really injured. So, ouch. um, yeah, yeah. It was funny. Like I was, I was just on patrol and I'd never in my life, you know, I'm a big guy. I played sports, but I'd never really been injured, injured. I, I'd always have like nagging little things like ankles, knees, shoulders, like, but nothing that's been like, okay, that's an injury, dude. Like I just like little bobos, like I was just hurt a little bit. 
but this was an actual injury. Um, yeah, I went to go pick up my stuff and then like, it just, it's, it felt like we were actually under contact. Like it was like, it was, it was the feeling like there was a gunshot and it was just my, my two discs just herniating. And, uh, wow. I looked around and I was like, wait, nobody, nobody's reacting. So that's clearly something on my body that just made that loud popping sound. Okay. Um, I'm just going to throw my gear on and, uh, hopefully I don't have to bend over for the rest of the patrol. <laughs> oh, got, wow. okay. Yeah. I got, I didn't want to, I didn't, uh, the, the last thing I wanted to do was either, um, you know, hinder my patrol. We were close enough to, to base that uh, I was like, oh, I can make, I can make the walk, but I, I didn't want to have to call a, a medevac, uh, to pick me up. That would just been for me, that would have been like humiliating. I was like, no, I was like, there's no contact. There's no IED strike. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going this way. So I just, I got back again. Dude, you know it, you know it, pure ego. <laughs> uh, and so I got myself back to base and then, yeah, I just did, uh, I, I did a lot of, I guess ibuprofen treatment and then got home and I thought I was good, but it just got worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and I wasn't getting any younger. And, uh, you know, to the point where it's about my son's almost, he's going to be three in October. So, uh, that would have been like December, the year he was born. So he's only about two months old. And my back had gotten to a point where uh, I remember being at work. I was teaching at the point and uh my back just locked completely like i i was having a hard time standing at work at the, like leading up to that oh wow and and uh and then at that point like i just had a full lock up and uh I, I remember i couldn't move and it was excruciating and i just i remember being in bed and you know i have a newborn my wife is you know handling everything i literally can't like move side to side in the bed without like in being in agony, like I'm, I'm pissing in a bottle, like it's bad. I'm like, I can't ever be in this state again. The, the, the thought of me being like incapacitated if I'm like out at the park with my son is, mm-hmm. a, is just, it, it's freaking me out. So I finally decided to, to take serious action on my, my injury. And, um, yeah, I got, I got my, uh, I got myself a trainer and we worked hard and the point was to get strong so that I could get surgery. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so the, the journey was basically that. And, um, I was already a personal trainer at that time, but I wasn't really focusing in on it because, uh, I, was, I had my teaching career, but uh, that kind of, that injury was, was, I guess the starting point for everything because it was, it was so scary for me that I couldn't move that it completely changed my life. And now, you know, my, my back injury is very manageable um, because everything I, uh, I did, I, I put in the book and yeah. it's, it's really geared for the, you know, the, the soldiers that are out there, the policemen that are out there, you know, the, anybody that's in any of those, those trades, uh, you know, EMS technicians, you name it, backs are really susceptible to injury. And I wish I had known a bunch of the techniques that I, that I know now, you know, 10, 15 years ago, because I think it would have, I, I, you can, you never know if it would have prevented the injury, but I, I definitely mm-hmm. think I would have been better off. And I think it would have been a lot more resilient. And that's kind of the message I want to send to the, especially the young guys that are just and girls that are starting out right now. You know, there are things you can do that aren't just touching your toes and like grabbing your ankles that can help with injury 
prevention. And um, it's 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 a, it's an important topic that's not covered at all within the, within the military ranks, at least. So that's kind of my goal with the with the book, and I've been getting a lot of positive feedback. So it's a it's been a wild ride. So I, I can't wait to see where it goes. Good on you, man. Good on you. Good on you. Going to follow. Best of luck for that book launch. Looking forward to it. Keep us posted on the Facebooks and the Instagrams of the world. Um, and we're not going to we're not going to sway away from it because I want to hear about it. How did we go from veteran to author to podcasting? Curious about that. Oh. How, how does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, here's the story. So I was miserable teaching. The last two years were just. I, re- I like the fact he doesn't hesitate to use the actual word miserable, but go on. I was miserable. Now, it was, uh, for as teaching goes, it was, a, it was a great job. It was actually the job I always wanted. Okay. And um, I got it finally. So the first few years, they were okay, but um, I don't know. I've done a lot of soul searching in the last, last little bit. And there's signs that teaching probably wasn't the best career choice for me uh, just internally. Like I, I would always be extremely anxious before going to teach. And that's not my character at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I went on patrol uh, countless times, no anxiety. I'm not trying to sound like a, like a hero, but it, it just, it wasn't something that was like, like that caused anxiety for me, but going into a classroom of 30, teenagers for whatever reason gave me anxiety and i should have listened oh, wow. to that earlier on in my career yeah so i should have listened to that earlier on in my career i don't uh, yeah it, it was it, it's too bad that i well I, I shouldn't say it's too bad it was a learning experience um but uh, as as it, you know as the years progress I, I worked there for six years the last two years were just getting harder and harder and harder uh to the point where the anxiety was almost unbearable um and I didn't realize at the time that I was suffering from, you know, an operational stress injury. And there were some residual things from tour that were still affecting me. And being in a school probably wasn't the best place for me, um, especially with the rigid, rigid structure and uh, the lack of input um, that I would have as a teacher to the, the organization itself. So those were kind of like the compounding factors. And then about a yeah, but actually this time last year, um, it was actually around more like April. I remember I went to the, I went to my doctor for a checkup and my blood pressure was just like the heart attack level high. And she was like, um, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. She's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah. She's like, did you work out today? I'm like, yeah, I worked out at like six 30 in the morning. Like I went in early workout that day mm-hmm. and it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And she's like, Oh, Okay. She's like, hey. we're going to have to monitor. Yeah. We're going to have to monitor your blood pressure for the next little bit. I was like, monitor my blood pressure. I'm like, no, I'm not even 40. Like I'm 36, you know, she's like, yeah. So I had to monitor my blood pressure for a bunch of days and uh, it was high for days. And I was like, it was seriously high. And uh, you know, there's all kinds of heart issues in my family. So that was kind of like a big flashing red light to say, okay, dude, you gotta, you gotta start sorting your shit out. Uh-huh. And you may need to adjust this, this like really bad anxiety I have going into work. So it basically led to me uh, looking for other jobs and I found another job. Um, so I left my career and went to go work at a startup in the education field. And that was kind of like a knee jerk reaction. I realize now, and it wasn't a good fit 
for me at all. It was a really small team. We didn't gel. And I, I like there was it, the loss of status is, is something that's real with, uh, with military veterans. And when you just end up at a job and you're just like Dave and nobody knows like what I've done in the past. You've done. You don't you don't wear a rank, you know, it's just like, Oh, you're just Dave. The you're just guy. Dave. Like, this is how you use the coffee machine. It's like, okay, thanks. It's like, oh, do you know how to use, you know, like this, like software? It's like, I'm pretty sure I can figure it out. It's like, oh, are you able to write a blog post? Are you, it's just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can do that. Like, oh, we have like a, a big trip to like, you know, middle of nowhere in Quebec City, uh, or Quebec. You want to go? And it's just like, it was draining and that it, it showed. And <laughs> yeah, it just, after about like two months, I was just like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. So I was already looking for, for a way out and I really started focusing on my training business at that point. Right. And um yeah, then yeah, the 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 uh the owner of the company's like, yeah, this isn't working out, dude. I'm like, yep, I know. Yep. <laughs> so we part we parted ways. And uh then I just went all in kind of with the um with the training business. And I've always been pretty creative. Uh and you know I I like playing music. I like playing guitar. Um and I like talking in front of people and uh i like to dance that's something that a lot of people uh, that know me well uh <laughs> when we hit the clubs it gets gets real um <laughs> so uh i have that that kind of artistic side and uh, i like creating and um last year i finished my master's and i, I was uh, i was doing a lot of uh, oh, i was doing a lot of writing thanks I, I was doing a lot more writing than usual obviously because i'm doing a master's and uh my supervisor's like, Hey, you write really well and and you know, people that are reading my stuff like, Yeah, you you write really well and you know, it was my mother that was kinda of like, You write so well and I was like, Yeah, okay, mom, well, you're my mother. She's like, No, no, you really write really well. I'm like, hmm. I'm like, there's enough people telling me that I write really well. Maybe I should actually write a book. And it was in the back of my mind. And then that same conference I was telling you about where I got uh, I got called out for being selfish, another presenter that was there said, Dude, your story you need to start writing books. And he's like, he said, he's like, I don't have nearly as good of a story and I'm not nearly as, as, as educated or, 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 or even write as well as you. He's like, and he's like, I've got six. So if I can do six oh, wow. books, you can, you can easily do one. And he's like, as soon as you go home, you start writing. And I took everything these guys said, I just took as gold. So as soon as I got home from this conference, I just started writing. But the thing was, I was only going to write like a four page ebook like a, a PDF file. Like it was just going to be something that I was just trying to kind of like give away as like a, like something an basic, something basic. I was just like, I just, I just want to have something. But then I was doing conferences uh, and uh, the feedback was, was really good on one particular lesson that I would do, which was basically like the, all the stuff related to self myofascial release where, you know, we get on the foam rollers and we use the lacrosse balls and how to prevent injuries and common injuries, you know, from doing, you know, uh, uh, ruck marches and a lot of running, how to, how to work your tissue and stuff like that. So overwhelmingly they're like, this is the best lesson. So I was like, okay, well, this is what I'll make my, you know, my, my little like 10 page max PDF file. And then every time I'd write something, I'm like, yeah, but I got to give it more context. And then I'd add another page and another page. And then before I know it, like I have like an 80 something page book. And I was like, wow, that, that wrote itself. <laughs> so after about, like two and a half, after about two and a half months uh, of just every day, I, I was, I was, it was, I, 
I compared to like the uh, beautiful mind, you know, the, the movie there with Russell Crowe. Yeah. I was like, ready. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I call it beautiful mind moments. I was just, I was on fire. I would get up at five in the morning and I just start writing. And it, yeah, it, it came together. And now, now I've got the book. And so naturally I was in that creative space and I wanted to create even more. So my, uh, my colleague and good buddy, uh, Andy, has a really good rugby podcast and he started it three years ago mm-hmm. and I didn't know what podcasts were at that time. And he's like, it's he's always like, how it starts. Like, yeah. He's like, mate, you got to get on this. And so I was thinking about it and his is really popular. And I was like, yeah, like I didn't even understand the format. It's like, it's just, and then, so I started getting into podcasts at that point, like about three years ago. And then it, it led to basically a, a big shift in just the way I think, because I listened to people that, I had a, a lot of interesting and, and novel, uh, novel things to say just on philosophy and life. And so I, I valued podcasts a lot and I said, well, maybe I could do it. And so I was thinking, well, what I would, what would I do it on? And I was thinking of doing about like on education issues and stuff like that. And then I realized I'm like, no, that's not really my, that's not really what I'm super it's passionate about. Thing. I think that's I'm, not what you're passionate about. I think I'm super Exactly. I think I'm super passionate about the kind of the, the army or the, the veteran community and providing them value. And that's basically how it got started. So it's the context is, is essentially surrounds training for, you know, veterans and, and military members, but it's really not exclusive to that because, you know, I, I have individuals on that. We, we talk about business things and, usually I, I get a veteran to, to get interviewed, but not exclusively. I've had non-veterans come on. So I, mm-hmm. you know, realistically, like any, any topic can, can provide value to, to a veteran. So I, I just, I just try to tailor it to, to their experience the the best as possible with the, the, the interviewees that I have, but it's been such an awesome journey so far that I, I can't wait to, to, to do my next episode. And it's, it's 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 been really cool getting just some of the feedback so far on it because i did i did a bit of research but i just can't find anybody that's doing anything with this specific kind of niche there are other podcasts out there for for military but there a lot of them are more tactically focused Uh or just training focused and so i i i I kind of have a bit broader stroke um and deal a bit more with kind of the the individual rather than the, the the specifics um with respect to, to certain topics so i think that's why there's a there's a little bit more attraction from not just military members but uh civilians <laughs> like you can call them normal people you can call yeah, them I'm, I'm one too i'm one too i'm, I'm uh, just a, i'm just a dirty i'm a dirty civilian as we used to used to call them back the other day for for us for those are people who are curious uh what's the title of the podcast it's the hard to kill podcast and uh, hard is spelled H R D number two and K I L L podcast. podcast. Definitely. Yeah. We'll link it up into the show notes. And I have to say, and I def- have to commend you now, because you said something very important about the creative mindset and the creative space and following your own path. You're, you just admitted it to yourself. You just want to remain genuine. There are a lot of podcasts out there. And it's all about pick and choose. And again, you are, know what you want to talk about. You know who you want to talk to. And you know who you're talking for. So if you know your why and you know your how, 
Just run with it, man. And from what I've heard, because since our initial meeting, I've listened to them. And it's some great stuff. It's some great storytelling. It's some personal stories. It's some hard stories. But they are also, and that's the most genuine part, they are true stories of courage. There are stories of generosity, selflessness, truth, friendship, camaraderie. And again, it's all about values and deeper values of meaning and selflessness that we can all respond to. And that's why, you know, I really commend you on that. You're doing terrific work. And if you're doubting, have any doubts, I'm not sure you do, but, you know, just sending out some appreciation your way, you're doing some terrific work. So keep at it, man. There, You're doing your thing. That's terrific. That's really terrific. Nice, man. I appreciate that, especially coming from you that's been doing this for a long time. That, uh, that goes a long way. We're still learning a long way, man. It's amazing. I know that we're coming up at the top of the hour. I don't want to keep you too late because I know, you know, what dad life is like. But again, <laughs> Dave, yeah. I want to yeah. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for this genuine conversation. Uh, it was just purely by coincidence that we uh, managed to connect with uh, the Rogers Business Center meeting uh, hosted by Thierry Lindor. So shout out to uh, to both. Uh, but it was a great opportunity. Again, you know, meeting another podcaster. That's already, already, you know, extraordinary as it is. But getting back, you know, to the common space. Thank you for this time. Thank you for everything you've done. Um, thank you for shedding, you know, just a little bit of light on the reality uh, of our veterans with, you know, need to be, you know, taken into consideration for everything that they do. Because you've spoken about their humility and not trying to attract the attention, but recognition and appreciation is deserved uh, because it's uh, it's an actual sacrifice and i'm not saying that with a bad with a bad connotation it is a sacrifice and it is you know an engagement towards something greater than yourself and that's something that we can all respond to and resonate with so thank you um this was a terrific experience and uh, i'm hoping that you know i don't know what the universe allows but as always open invitation anytime you want to be back um if you're open for another conversation just like this one you're more than welcome but i just wanted to thank you for that really oh roger that man i really appreciate that man it was really nice you had uh, to get me on and yeah we had that uh, that connection i think right away once we're talking uh at Thierry Lindor's uh event where it's like you're a podcaster it's like it's like it's like finding that that individual and like that this big <laughs> mass of people just so randomly because we know what we're going it's like oh you're a podcaster it's kind of like you know what you're going through it's like oh man it was like, you can start talking about like audio equipment and like it just <laughs> It's just such a weird subset of humanity right now, but I'm such so happy to be in there. Yeah, man. So yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate, uh, you know, being able to, to kind of just uh, tell my story and hopefully, um, reach out to as many people as possible so that, um, you know, the veteran community gets, um, gets a, gets a bigger voice because, uh, we have a hard time definitely getting out there and, and explaining what we've done and, and, and what value we can bring to our communities. And I think we're definitely a, an asset to our communities. So I'm hoping that more of us get, get involved and get implicated. And, uh, this is a perfect medium, uh, in order to do that. I'll try that. Well, every little step counts. Every little bit counts. Um, I always like to leave off, uh, the conversations, you know, just closing off the evening, you know, floor is yours, kind thought, a quote, a passing call to action, you know, something that we can all wake up to, you know, we're not all veterans, but anything that can help us build towards, you know, that next goal, you know, just succeeding to the next level. Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, the first thing that came to mind was actually, uh, uh, just, we were talking about veterans and, uh, the, there's a campaign called byveteran.ca. Mm -hmm. Now the point of that, the point of that is to, uh, just put veteran owned businesses, uh, to the forefront and, uh, to, make it uh, 
aware to just Canadians in, in general that there are quite a few veteran-owned businesses out there, and we bring a, a different approach to, to business. And um, not only that, but just hire a veteran too. If you if you are in the in the you know in the space so that you can hire you know individuals in your company or your an HR manager, um, you know we may not have the the same prerequisites because we weren't in the civilian world for very long, but we do offer um, a, a very unique uh, set of um, skills that most businesses are in very, very big need of, uh, especially leadership and, um, you know, dedication and, and mission-based thinking. So, you know, we, we, we have that ability to, to really change an organization for the, for the better. So that's, uh, that's been on my mind for the last little bit too, because a lot of us, I think languish because of that, like I mentioned, loss of status. So if, um, yeah, if anybody's out there and they're kind of on the fence of whether or not, you know, a veteran is going to provide any, um, any kind of real value to their organization. We definitely will because we're, we're a different kind of human being and we will work until the job is done. We won't just uh, settle for a subpar work. So yeah, definitely get out there and and hire some veterans if you can. Terrific. Terrific. He is Dave Morrow, author, speaker, physical trainer and podcaster. Yes. And again, veteran for whom we're, we're so thankful for for your service and your time and your wisdom uh the podcast is hard to kill podcast so hrd the, the number two k-i-l-l podcast.com but don't worry guys we will link up all the links and all the web presences over the interwebs and uh, your your main website dave is just uh, for the people who are curious sure it's really easy it's dave morrow m-o-r-r-o-w dot net and that's where we can find everything, all the updates and all the quirks and everything. And uh, Dave's a terrific, awesome, ongoing. So, Dave, again, thanks again with appreciation uh, for your time and wisdom. Guys, what did you do? Signing off from Kanzak Quebec with my guest, Dave Morrow. Look out for the, all the show notes for this episode once it goes live. Again, guys, have a terrific evening. And please, as always, stay safe and stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We do love to get your feedback, so please drop us a line. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review. We always do appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.